Welcome to This Dad Reads, a bookish podcast spanning genres and fandoms. I'm your host, Jason, and on today's episode, I'm talking with High Republic author Lydia Kang all about her book, Cataclysm. What is going on, my fandom friends? I hope everyone is doing well out there. We are almost halfway through this calendar year. I can't even believe it already. It feels like the year just started. I hope that everyone is keeping up on their reading goals and just having a great time engaging with books. There's been a number of new Star Wars shows and Star Wars media coming out, tons of Star Wars comics. Um, there was like seven that came out Um in the beginning of, at the end of April, early May, which is insane and so fun. Um, There's so many good comics out there, so hopefully all my comic friends are just having a great time with that. I am stoked for today's episode because I am... I'm two for two back-to-back episodes chatting with Star Wars The High Republic authors. This time I have Lydia Kang joining me talking all about her book Cataclysm. That is coming up in just a little bit, but I thought that I would start out with my last current next. Let's get into it. The last book I read was Lethal Connections, The Poison ID Unit by Eric Daniel Shine, Melissa Davis, and Karen Fuller. This book was really fun. It was relatively short. Um, I wrote a full review, which is up now on thisdadreads.com, but in short, it's a thriller. It's kind of like a murder mystery, and it's just a really good time. It was, you know, just around 200 pages, and it kept me on my toes, and it had some really nice twists and turns. So just a really fun page turnery thriller, which I would definitely recommend. The book I'm currently reading is called Deep Fake by Ward Larson. This book was gifted to me by Forge Books, and it's it's a thriller of its in its own right, but it's more of a politically oriented thriller. Um, it's about this kind of family man who is new to the political landscape, and he kind of is becomes a hero very quickly overnight for some he kind of thwarts a terrorist attack um on a council member councilman uh in a public place and he very quickly kind of goes viral and he gets tapped by his party to be the next presidential candidate potentially and so there's an element of mystery um some political intrigue there so it's been really fun so far i'm um about a quarter of the way through so definitely keep an eye out on thisdadreads.com i will be also posting a full review of that book as soon as i'm done the next book i am reading is my final book in my red rising read through dark age by pierce brown i'm not quite sure how ready i am for this book um i actually uh, the first time that i read this book I actually had to reread Iron Gold because I took too long of a break in between books four and five. If you are familiar with the Red Rising books and are a fan, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes after these books, you just need to take a breather. And the first time I read Iron Gold, I was like so stoked. I was ready to read Dark Age, but life just happened. Other books happened. And by the time I picked up Dark Age the first time, I honestly did not know what was going on. I was too far removed from the previous book. So I actually went and reread that book. And then I read Dark Age. And that was probably close to a year ago at this point that was last year at some point and so dark age is you know just like its name says dark and um definitely is will rip your soul out and so i am 
excited to read it again. My these rereads have been very eye-opening and very very cool for me to experience just because like I said before I kind of just devour these books in terms of plot and what is happening and I want to know what's going on so I read them really fast and I am a fast reader so um sometimes I don't take the time to really you know soak into the prose or to the imagery or the you know figurative language and all that stuff so I'm really excited to kind of take my time with this um obviously I read about a book a week um, but I'm going to get, let myself take as long as it takes for dark age. And honestly though, guys, I'll probably give myself like a two week maximum. Cause I can't, I can't go that long. I can't stay, stay that long with one book. I have other books I got to read, but I am stoked out of my mind that I was able to receive an advanced reader copy of Lightbringer, which is the newest book coming out on July 25th. And so I am very motivated to read Dark Age, and I cannot believe I have been sitting on this arc of Lightbringer as long as I am. And in, in all honesty, it, it came out way earlier than I was expecting. I was expecting not till for that arc to come out until June. So I know that there are people out there in the Red Rising fandom who have already read Lightbringer, and so I'm so ready ready for it um yeah i'm just excited i'm excited to continue on this journey and this reread has been super fun um so i want to give a quick shout out to my rereading group my reread group on instagram kudos guys you have been doing an awesome job and dark age here we come all right i think it's time to chat with lydia kane kc how are you how's it going my man all right, Casey, I think I'm ready to get everything set up to chat with Lydia Kang. Are you are you ready to go? All right, bud. Well, thank you so much. Why don't you help me in welcoming Lydia Kang, author of the High Republic novel Cataclysm? Hey, Lydia, how's it going? Thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me today. I'm so excited to, first of all, just meet you and be able to chat with you about Cataclysm and just Star Wars and everything. Me too. It's always a good day when you can talk about Star Wars. <laughs> right, definitely. Well, first of all, let's start off about um, start talking about Star Wars Celebration. It's, it was only, what, a matter of weeks ago, and it was your first time, right? So what was that experience mm-hmm. like for you? Oh my gosh. It was, you know, people had warned me ahead of time. They're like, it's going to be a little overwhelming. And so I, even with knowing that, it was still just incredible. Just like the volume of people wearing all their amazing cosplays. The, the number of people who were doing like High Republic cosplays just blew me away. Um, and I, I had the most, I had such a wonderful time. I It's nice to be able to always hang out with um, my fellow Luminous authors because we are scattered all over the world, um, which means we don't always get time to spend with each other. So I got to see them and, and hang out for a while. And, um, you know, the panels were super fun. The signings were actually meeting um, fans who I only knew on Twitter, you know, and they would be like, Oh, it's me. You know, this is my handle. I'd be like, I know you. Like, this is so cool. (laughs) So that was just, I felt like I was meeting like distant family that, you know, just sort of everybody had like kind of come together for this like big family reunion. And it was just, it was so lovely. I had the best time. That's a great way to put it. My, my celebration was my first one last year and I couldn't have put it any better. It was just like, everyone's a friend and like, it just felt yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I'm I'm really bummed I wasn't there. I I was, I've told um other people that it felt like all the people who couldn't be there, who are part of the online fandom, we felt w- like we were there, like the cosplay Aww. meetup. I felt like I was there. I didn't feel excluded at all. So it was Aww. really cool being able to see some of my my friends being able to have that experience that 
Yeah. Maybe it was their oh, first Oh, that's so first. wonderful. Yeah, I know people are really good about just like, you know, just tweeting everything that's happening and yeah. and making it feel like it's very, very live. Yeah. And um, I guess we'll see what happens in two years. Like, you know, maybe we'll all be in Japan together. I know. Who knows? I know. Start the <laughs> fundraising now, right? So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned it already. So um, you talked about your fellow Luminous authors. Like, what was it like for you joining the team? I know it's probably been a while for you now, but um, especially coming into your first, like, long form Star Wars publication mm-hmm. novel, what was it like just joining that team? It was, um, it was a little nerve wracking because... You know, um, some of the other authors, like George Mann and has known Kevin for a long time mm-hmm. and has, has you know, um, I, I, and Zoraida had already written a Star Wars book. So I felt in some ways like maybe one of the newest, most junior people there because I hadn't written a long form, you know, um, work yet. And I'd only done one thing in Star Wars, which was just a short story. But I knew, um, I knew some of the other authors just from the young adult world. So I knew Daniel and, and Zoraida and Tessa and Justina. So like they were familiar people. Like we, we passed each other in the hallways and like been on panels together and stuff like that. So, so in some ways they weren't complete strangers to me. So that definitely helped, but, um, but it's a, it's a pretty intimidating thing to write for Star Wars. And you are, I was sort of scared of everything, you know, like, (laughs) Um, before I sort of got my footing and got comfortable and realized that actually everybody was just super kind and friendly and there to answer questions and there to help orient me. So, um, so yeah, my nervousness, um, went away after a period of time. I think my nervousness didn't really truly go away until I had written a chunk of cataclysm and realized like, it's going okay. I can do this. Like it's half, like I'm going to be okay. So, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's definitely an intimidating experience. There's like no doubt. There's a lot of like the weight of this is a huge, important cultural phenomenon. And I need to make sure that what I do matters and it's done well and it's done with care. So yeah, I definitely felt that weight a lot, Um, but it was one that I welcomed. It was just such a great opportunity. That's awesome. Well, I can confirm and, you know, take it or leave it, but I can confirm that it was done very well. (laughs) Like Cataclysm (laughs) was amazing. And like, you know, full disclosure, Lydia, this was the first anything I've read of yours. And so Mm -hmm. I I didn't know what to expect, honestly. Like I I looked you up, obviously I did my research and I'd read what you'd done in from a certain point of view, but to say that I was like surprised and delighted in the best way would be like a huge understatement. Like I loved it. (laughs) And I know I'm still (laughs) seeing people who are reading it now and who are just like, I just got a DM from a friend earlier saying like, this is amazing. And I was like, I know, like keep going. Like, so I can, again, I'm not going to speak for the entire fandom, but I've heard nothing but amazing things. So I'm just going to keep heaping praise on you the whole time. (laughs) That is totally fine. I'm just so you know, like relieved, honestly, just very, very relieved um, that like it's been really well accepted and people have been very happy with it because again, the bar is very, very high for me as far as like putting out a really high quality, you know, story that people feel super engaged in and actually like, you know, kind of cling to the characters. That's, 
That means I've done my job. So it just, yeah, I'll never get tired of hearing it. It just makes me, I'm just so happy and so relieved. (laughs) I bet. I can only imagine. (laughs) Um, So something that was really a highlight of the book of Cataclysm for me was the way that you really made each separate storyline shine. I feel like sometimes in books, it's like can be a bummer when you switch POVs, but I feel like that was a real strength of this book. Um, so like what strategies, I guess as an author, do you utilize to make sure that those balances, that that it balances out and that it stays, um, each storyline gets the attention it deserves? Right, right. Um, well, I used a lot of sticky notes for one thing um, because, you know, some of the balancing out is, literally just the mechanics of like, how often is this like pair of characters showing up in the book and are they progressing? Like is something happening every time you see them? Is something, um, you know, how are, how are the stakes escalating as, as they sort of show up every time on the page? So yeah, there's a lot of balancing going on and visually like I had to sort of keep them like, on this sort of story tapestry via post-it notes to make mm-hmm. sure that what they were doing compared to other people was was sort of working out. Um, so I had never had to really do that. Like I usually write an outline. I usually don't keep any kind of storyboard situation, but like I, I really had to do it because I didn't, I've never written something that had this many main characters, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it lended itself to the fact that a lot of the characters, they were these dyads, you know, right. it would be like Yada and Sippa, uh, it would be, um, you know, like Creighton and Ada. And mm-hmm. so I could work their sort of relationship plus their own personal arcs, like as they progress through the story. Um, and it, it made it actually a little bit easier, but it really did feel a little bit like weaving. You know, but except that the end of the tapestry was just like an explosion. But, you know, it was was sort of like that, you know, but yeah, making sure that all the different pieces were just like doing what they needed to do at the right time. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that because it did feel like if it wasn't it was like those duos, like you said, or those dyad that really kept the. The, there's just more to it, I guess, in each little mini storyline. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. I was excited to see where we would get, be with them next versus like excited to see who we would, how we would catch up with the other ones next. So that was, yeah. it was great. Yeah. And I, I know that like sometimes when I'm reading books, if there's multiple characters there, when they show up on the page, I know that like, I get really frustrated sometimes where I'm just like, who are they again? Like, uh-huh. what were they just doing? <laughs> and so I, I wanted to make it really clear that when they showed up, you remembered exactly where they were, what bad thing had just happened or what they were sort of struggling with before you go into it. Yeah. So that, that, that connectivity was more workable um, because I personally hate it when you pick up a story and you're like, who, I don't even know who these people are. Like what, what's going on with them? Um, yeah. But I'm sure that might've been happening to some people because again, there's a lot of characters. So. But that's a really good way to think of it. Like you're thinking like the reader, that's awesome because uh, you know, in star Wars, I keep up with a lot of stuff, but I can't keep it all. It's not always just all in there. So that's yeah. not one of my strengths. So that's, that's <laughs> awesome that you're like catering to that. You know, it's just, it's a reality that there's just a lot of characters going at the it same is. time. It is. <laughs> yeah. I know. And I, you know, we, I made a really conscious decision that like, I was going to have all these characters in them um, and in the book. And I knew that was going to be a problem. Like I was like, if I don't do this well, mm-hmm. people are going to be lost. They're going to put the book down and they're going to shelve it. So yeah. So that was a big worry of mine. Um, so I tried a little bit extra harder to make sure that, you know, when the story picked up and when the story dropped off, you, they were these very, um, 
concrete beginning and ends yeah. where you could feel like, okay, I can latch onto this when it shows up again. Yeah. So I think yeah. that that was something that I actually learned by doing that because I haven't had to do that before. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So there are some pretty dark moments in Cataclysm. I mean, I <laughs> would say it rivals some stuff that happens in like even the Rising Storm from Phase mm-hmm. One. Like, mm-hmm. what was your emotional state like during this? Like during some of those really intense scenes. Like, did it hit you as hard as it's hitting us or the readers? It did. It did. I like. I I got really um, emotional writing certain scenes. Like I would. You know, there were certain scenes towards the end of the book, not not even in the end of the book, in the middle of the book. Like I would write it, like write the first draft and I would just have tears in my eyes and I'd be like, oh my God, like calm down. <laughs> You're the author. You're in charge. You're okay. And then I would reread what I wrote to see if, you know, it's working. And I would just like, I would get really teary again. And I'm like, all right, if I'm getting upset over this, I must be doing something right. right. And I remember, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know, like going into this, I knew the book was called Cataclysm. I knew the book was going to have this huge, huge battle at the end. And um, it was going to be the Night of Sorrows, right? So always in the back of my mind was, this is going to be painful for readers. Mm. And I need to make it as painful as possible. <laughs> like, not no. for the sake of, like, just torturing them or just, like, general carnage. But... um if it's going to be called the Night of Sorrows, it's going to be something that just feels like it stabs you in the heart, like mm-hmm. so badly. Um, so I had to know that I, I I knew that I needed to hit those sort of emotional notes. And for me personally, they hit because every time I would do a revision or copy edits or past pages, I would find myself crying mm-hmm. like during certain passages. And I still do. Like if I were to reread certain non like I don't want to spoil it, but if I were to reread them, my husband's like, nearly finished Cataclysm right now. Um, and he's starting to get very quiet. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, if I reread that page, I'm going to start crying. Yeah. He's going to be like, don't, don't. But yeah. So it was it was very emotional writing it too, for sure. That's a good metric. I mean, if the author's right, right, crying while you're writing it, I think, yeah, you're doing something right. Is um So is that your husband's first time reading it? Like you don't, is that, a, you don't Yes, share? it's his first time reading it. So... With everything that I write, he doesn't read it until it's done. Okay, okay. So he's kind of like, look, I'm a reader. I'm not an editor. I'm not a writer. Or, and he doesn't always um, read what I write in that, like, I write a lot of historical fiction. Like, that's not, they're like murder mysteries. That's not the genre he tends okay, to read. Okay. So he's like, look, I'm a spectator here, and I'm going to read it when it's all done. Um, and so he had, he, he works full time. So he was behind on his reading in general. So he had just finished up Convergence while we were in London. Okay. And so we got home and he was like, okay, I am ready. I'm ready for Cataclysm. But you know, was he really busy, ready so though? Was he really ready? I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I, I think he, I think he's, uh, it's really funny though. Cause he takes notes and stuff. It's very oh, sweet. Nice. Like he just. Is he yeah, fully he in like High Republic or is he just keeping up like with this phase because you're involved? He has, he's not fully in High Republic. So he's sort of like dabbling. He's really on top of a lot of the streaming stuff. Yeah. So okay. we're like always watching whatever's coming out together. Gotcha. He's actually um, doing le- like going through Legends right now and he keeps talking to me about it. And I'm just like, it's awesome. I know. <laughs> so, uh, but he, yeah. So he's a huge, huge Star Wars fan, but this is. This is his first foray into the High Republic. Okay. And he's loving it so far. So he's pretty, like, pretty happy with it. (laughs) Okay, good. We'll we'll get our hooks in him. 
for sure. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll get our hooks in. We'll get there. We'll get there. That's great. So I got to talk about Axel, um, the scoundrel everyone loves (laughs) to hate, Axel Greylark. Um, So were you as drawn to him as everyone else was after, you know, being introduced to him in Convergence? Like, and... Yeah, I guess I'll just start with there. Start with that. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. Some people love to hate him. And some people just love to love him. Mm-hmm. It's like you just... <laughs> um, I would say the fans that love to love him greatly outnumber the ones who love to hate him. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's kind of where my heart lies with Axel. Like when I was... When I knew that I was going to write about him and when I was like, you know, reading Convergence and getting the feel for his character and who he was and stuff like that. I just remember feeling, honestly, I kind of had like Kyung's like point of view mm. about him. Mm-hmm. Just sort of like, I love this guy, but he can be such a doofus sometimes. He's so charming, but like I've met people who are charming like that. And you're sort of like, you're sort of bask in the glow, but at the same time, you're sort of like, what's deeper? And you can tell they're hiding something and you just want to know what that is. So he's really, really intriguing in that way. Um, But uh, as a character, I find him just endlessly fascinating. And so what I, what I got to do was sort of um, examine him from the perspective of a friend from Gela, Mm -hmm. from the perspective of, um, another friend who maybe doesn't have his, you know, best, um, intentions, uh, from B-Note. And then I also liked being able to look at him as a son, as a family member from Kyung's point of view. So we got to go at Axel from all these different perspectives. And I had a lot of fun doing that. It was really fun sort of picking apart his brain and showing these tiny little clues about how he felt about certain things, Mm. because he doesn't say it on the page. Mm -hmm very well he's not very good at expressing himself and so you have to find these other ways to tell the readers how axel's actually feeling and so um and i i enjoyed doing that that those subtleties are are always fun to write and they were there i will say like on the page like it that was really apparent that there was something underneath the surface and obviously he's a guy you you can't always trust the words coming out of his mouth but nope. <laughs> um, you know, and obviously you did a great job too of like there being some tr- real like shocker moments. Like so that was good too. You kept mm-hmm. some stuff actually hidden, which was cool. So um, I, I guess some of my my question about him is like, was his whole journey and and is this one that is like kind of is it mandated where he needs to go or how much freedom did you have in like that in exploring that kind of journey and that arc for him? It was mine. It was, it was okay. completely under That's, my control, okay. which was which was fun. Um, are we allowed, are, are we going to do spoilers? Can we are we allowed to do spoilers? Um, we can we can. It's been out for a while. If I we don't have to, I can do a spoiler so, alert. Go ahead. So the decision about um, Axel's sort of uh, end game, uh, what happens at the end of the story. So it was completely my decision. Okay, and I was. It was interesting because I did not know that people were, there were readers who were really scared about, am I going to kill him off or am I not going to kill him off? Like, is he going to have a redemption arc or Mm -hmm. is he going to have a redemption arc and just like bite the dust, Mm -hmm. right? It never, honestly, it didn't ever occur to me to kill him. For some reason, I knew he needed a chance Mm -hmm. 
Um, but he needed to go to the lowest low of all the lows before he was able to see it because he's gotten to, he's already hit so many mm-hmm. lows, right? He's in jail. Yep. He gets arrested. He's like a complete embarrassment. He destroys like, you know, the capital city of Iram. So he does all these like hard, he loses, you know, his droid. He, he already hits all these lows, right? So I, I knew that in order for him to, to have any kind of redemption arc, I had to make it so bad for him. Mm-hmm. And so that was what I really concentrated on was sort of like digging that hole deeper and deeper to a point where he was like, what would be the one thing that finally like smacked him in the face and said, wake up mm-hmm. and actually do the right thing. And so that that was my always in my head when I thought about what I was going to do with that. Song. That's awesome. So, spoiler alert spoiler is alert. now over. And, you know, <laughs> I, I'll try not to get too emotional, but as a parent myself, like it was very real. Like, I feel like that was a very real human situation that you put him in. And uh, like people, um, people live full lives. Obviously things happen, but I feel like that's more of a reality for his story. Like his, his story will continue to go on. And um, Mm -hmm. he, it was really, it was so good. (laughs) Like, it was so good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And it was, it was um, very, very enjoyable and cathartic to write i bet especially after what happened in convergence (laughs) (laughs) i bet i bet well yeah Yeah. i'm hoping i mean obviously he's still alive and he's still out there i mean i i would i can't wait to see what happens to him in the future whatever that may be so um yeah for sure (laughs) so which star wars character so far have you enjoyed writing the most and then who is your dream character that you would love to write for oh my gosh that's a good question so Mm, I had a lot of fun writing Kyung um, just because she was um, very near and dear to my heart. I mean, she's, um, she's a working mom mm-hmm. with, with kids and her, her kids are, my kids aren't misbehaving like Axel, but like, you know, <laughs> parenting is hard yep. and I didn't do this on purpose at all. There apparently is a theme of, you know, mother kid throughout cataclysm that I didn't actually intend. It just sort of happened, you know, with, the mother sort of facing off with Kyung Greylark and like, you know, Sippa and Yaddle mm-hmm. and, you know, so there's a lot of like parental stuff happening throughout both books, actually. If you also think about the queen and the consort yep. as well as the monarch and Ziri and Fontu yep. and stuff like that. So, um, so, but her writing Kyung was really, really fun. I really loved it. It was never difficult like for some reason her voice and exactly what she wanted and what her the sort of conflicts in her heart and mind were just so obvious to me when I started writing her so she was just like easy easy as pie to write um Yaddle was so much fun because I was like I get to write I get to write Yaddle (laughs) on the page it was like um when I wrote my short story I was writing dialogue for Luke Skywalker and I remember just being like (gasps) I'm writing dialogue for Luke. And so it kind of felt that way when I was writing Yaddle on the page. I'm just like, she's an historic character and yeah. I, I get to actually, you know, put some life into, into who she is. So that was just, that was so much fun. It kind of blew me away that I was allowed to do that. Sure. So, Especially yeah. for a character who has, I mean, historically has not said a lot, like there's not a lot of dialogue from her. So that's really fun. No, no, there's very, there's scant, scant bits yes, here and there. Yes. So that's really yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. That actually leads well into my next question, which I know you may or may not be able to answer, but do you know if this will be the last that we see of the Yada Sippa relationship? I don't know. And I'll just leave it at Perfect. that. Perfect. Okay. 
I would mm-hmm. say I hope it's not, but <laughs> it was great. <laughs> it was great. Too. <laughs> Having um, I'm a, my kids are uh, eight and five, and I was like very um relating to. Yaddle's uh, management of having a young one with her all the time. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> that my. came from personal experience. Oh, hundred well, percent. So. I totally related on the parental level <laughs> with this book. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. my, but it was kind of fun because it wasn't just like normal childcare. It's like Jedi childcare. <laughs> it's sort yes. of like, you know, not just like how do I manage this like youngling how do I manage a youngling with like power? How do I manage a youngling when I'm a Jedi master and I'm supposed to like have all my cool, like just like nothing ruffles me because the force is with me. But then you throw a kid into the mix and it's like, can we ruffle master Yaddle with childcare duties? Like, can it happen? (laughs) Children can ruffle anyone, (laughs) Jedi or not. I would say my, I I would argue my kid, um, my kid has just has ADHD things and a whole journey that my family's on. But I'm like, my kid has powers and, you know, I'm trying to be mm-hmm. a gentle parent and do my thing, but he can, there's, then that kids have powers. Kids have powers. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Anyway. <laughs> um, so my whole thing with this dad reads, it's basically my way to help like adults, parents just connect with other people out there who might have a passion for a hobby, like a bo- books, mm-hmm. especially Star Wars, all that stuff. So, um, was there someone in your life growing up that kind of inspired that or kind of mentored you at a, in a parental way that helped you kind of connect with either media or books or just kind of the arts? Like, was there someone in your life that kind of guided that for you? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I got to say, if I have to shout out to anybody, it would probably be I mean, I've always been a lover of science and all that kind of stuff. Um, but when it came to like the arts and stuff like that, like my English teachers in high school, I, I would say were probably some of my biggest influences because they had me reading all the stuff that I normally wouldn't have read myself. And they made like a lasting impression. Like I, I still remember my English teacher, I think it was like in 10th grade. And we went through this like World War I period where we were reading tons of World War I books and we were reading like World War I poetry. And I have some of those poems like half memorized in my Mm. head from that year. And it made me feel like every time World War I comes back, I get these like visuals of Mm. like really, you know, what the trenches were like, what it smelled like, the lice, like, you know, the poems, the gas, like everything because that teacher was able to just introduce me to all this fantastic writing that I would never, ever, and I, I didn't like history, mm-hmm. you know, that I never, ever would have been interested in. And I had other same things for all my English teachers. I just feel like they opened up a world for me that was not something that I had. I didn't have a lot of books growing up. Okay. You know, we were like library kids, but even so I had this tendency to like reread the books that I liked a lot. And so I would, I wasn't, I was really shy about venturing to read other stuff. So yeah, that would probably be like, they would probably be the biggest influences I would say on my, on my writing career um, as far as like school goes because of that. Yeah. That's awesome. And um, you know, a lot of the time I'm talking to my friends or guests about like 
how are, I mean, I'm raising young children right now, but like, I have a passion for some things and I want to pass those things on, but that, you know, kids are going to, they're always going to gravitate towards what they gravitate to. But I guess my question is like, mm-hmm. as a, as a mother and as like a, as a family that you, a family manager, um, how do you, what are things <laughs> that you do in your family to help kind of like nurture that spirit of discovery and story and like, um, helping to make sure that that's getting passed on? Right. That's, um, that's such an important question. Um, I, I feel like, you know, in my family, my husband and I are huge Star Wars fans. My oldest, who's in college, he um, is a Star Wars fan. And then my other two, like, have seen the movies, but they're just, they're not, not okay. they're not fans <laughs> at all. Right. And so I'm not going to force them to sort of be like, well, you have to read this and you have to read that. But I, I, I do really try very hard to um, expand their world. And I feel like from that comes curiosity and from curiosity comes the ability to be creative. Mm. So um, so one thing that I try to, we try to do as much as possible is just is travel or take walks, you know? So locally just walk and like, just be outside mm. and not on your phone kind of a thing. Um, it just sort of helps refresh your brain a little bit and, just sort of see the world mm. and traveling wise, I feel like we've been really lucky because we just, we've like, since our kids were babies, anytime we went somewhere, we would just take them with us. So they're very well healed kids as far as like getting on planes and stuff, but even just like traveling pretty close, like just a, you know, an hour's drive away or something like that. All of that just brings more life experience. And from that life experience comes curiosity and it it's sort of like, feeds on itself. So I can't ever force them to do anything. I just sort of like welcome it. And I try to model for them, you know, the fact that like, I am a pretty curious person Mm. myself and I'm always like interested in like seeing new things and doing things and um, asking really bizarro questions that I end up having to look up on Wikipedia (laughs) and share with them. So um, I want them to be curious forever. Like I want them to be like 99 year old, you know, doddering old little like you know men and women people um who are still sort of like eyes open and mm. wonder at this universe like i think that's a great state of mind to have it's a very optimistic state of mind um but it, i think it uh, i think it's really just good for your heart and your brain and your soul and definitely for creative reasons i love it thank you that was an excellent answer Okay, so something also, I ask all my guests, um, I typically on every episode talk through all the books I'm reading, and I call it a last current next. So I talk about the last book I read, what I'm currently reading, and what I'm planning on reading next. So what is okay. your last current next? Let's see. My The last thing that I read was The Personal Librarian, which is about um, J.P. Morgan's private librarian from like 1910 or something like that. Um, the main character, she um, passed for white. And so that was a big part of her, her life at the time. Um, what I'm reading right now, which is really, really good. Um, it's called, uh, the great believers by Rebecca Mackay. And it's, um, I'm about 90% done. I actually am doing a book club today to discuss it. Um, and that's, that's been really, really good. Um, I, I really read all over the place. And so I read, thrillers. I read contemporary stuff. I read, um, nonfiction, um, Star Wars when I get a chance, but Mm -hmm. oftentimes the Star Wars that I'm reading is like in the high Republic. Mm -hmm. Like it's my 
fellow luminous authors, like I'm reading, they're like, you know, their stuff. Yes. So to, to make sure that I'm, I'm like on pace um, and I'm reading a lot of research because I'm of my writing and stuff. So yeah, I'm kind of all over the place and I do like to keep my mind open to um, the books are another way of sort of having that, um, that sort of experience outside of yourself mm-hmm. that keeps your mind and brain open. Um, and it's, it's really a pleasure to be able to see how other authors put words to paper in their own way and, and make things come alive. So it's, it's a nice, it's a sort of magic alchemy that everybody, um, does. And so it's, Mm -hmm. it's fun to be entranced by somebody else's magic for a little while. I love that. (laughs) Definitely. On a side note, are you a Michael Connelly fan? Do you know his stuff? I'm not, but I keep like, I mean, he's huge, but. So good. Okay. You said thrillers. I know he's one of the big thriller guys. Like, I love him. Anyway. um, Well, thank you so much. Is there anything, where can people kind of interact with you or find you if they don't, haven't done that already? Sure. Um, So my website is LydiaKang.com and I usually try to keep updated, like, you know, events and stuff like that. Um, But I am on Twitter reasonably often now. <laughs> and I'm on Instagram fairly regularly. So on Twitter, I'm Lydia Y. Kang. And on Instagram, I'm Lydia Kang. So I'm there. Um, and happy to interact with people if you guys ever um, hop on. But um, yeah, that's where you can find me. That's great. Any other like appearances this year that you know of or cons that people can maybe catch you at? Signing. I believe I'm going to be the Omaha. Um, Omaha has its own kind of Comic Con, which is called Ocon, mm-hmm. and I believe I will be there. Oh, but cool. the dates and times are not set yet. Cool. Um, I'll be doing another book signing later on in the summer here in Omaha, um, and that's kind of it for now. A lot of uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff like this that's coming out, like um, podcasts and yeah. videos and stuff like that, interviews, which have been so much fun. So yeah, on that note, I so thank you for having me here. It was really fun. Oh, you're very welcome. I appreciate it so much. And everyone, Cataclysm is out now. It's great. Um, And just thank you so much again, Lydia, for joining me. Oh my gosh, anytime. Appreciate it. I want to give a special thanks once again to my guest, Lydia King, for joining me this week. I had the best time chatting with her. I feel like we could have just chatted forever about books and, you know, kind of parent life, (laughs) family life. She was just such a great guest to have, and I really hope that she can join me again sometime. And I honestly hope that she um, continues to write for Star Wars. I was blown away by Cataclysm, and I cannot recommend that book enough. So if you have not reached that point in your reading journey yet, I am excited that whenever you do get to that point, that you can just experience the joy and just her talent for writing it. It was, it was such a great book and it was such a pleasure to chat with her. That does it for this episode. Hope you can join me next time for another episode of This Dad Reads. Take us out, Casey. Thank you so much for listening. For more of my content, visit my website at thisdadreads.com for full book reviews, interviews, and articles. Follow me on socials at thisdadreads on Twitter and Instagram. This Dad Reads the Podcast is produced by Erebus Industries and me. Special thanks to my editor, Jeremy Tuttle, and Tacoma Media for the use of their song Bounce. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and leave me a five-star review. It really helps. Catch you next time.